I did not imagine this day would come so soon. The day you voted to call me as your senior minister was one of the happiest of my life. After a nine-year sojourn in the wilds of Littleton, I was returning to my adopted hometown of Cambridge to serve this historic and vibrant congregation. I thought it was a perfect fit for my ministry. I still do. Not that I am a perfect minister, nor you a perfect congregation. Perfection is not of this life, and its pursuit is an exercise in futility. But we can always strive to be better. You and I made each other better. It occurred actually to me that the choir had already preached my sermon this morning in (laughs) Singing for Good by Stephen Schwartz. But since I did prepare this, I guess I might as well (laughs) go through with it. I don't think I'm actually going to add anything to the choir's beautiful, beautiful contribution. You and I did make each other better. I helped you begin to realize your vision of multiculturalism and anti-racism by taking this vision seriously and recommending concrete steps toward its fulfillment. To help us speak the truth in love, I encourage the congregation to adopt a covenant of right relations, which was lovingly drafted by our assistant minister, Rebecca Benefield-Bijour, in consultation with many of you, and then adopted by vote of the congregation in 2010. And it still touches me so much when people say how that covenant has made a difference not only here at church, but also in their home lives and work lives in the community. As your principal worship leader, I guided the worship experience from a more head-centered place toward one more heart-centered, more embodied, more spirit-filled. And we sang together. Oh, did we sing. We'll sing together one more time this morning. You taught me to be more flexible, more spontaneous, more inclusive, and more forgiving not only of others, but also of myself. You taught me to be more trusting, more democratic, more accountable, and more mindful of giving credit to all those who contribute to our shared success. You taught me that silence is often better leadership than speaking. You taught me it's never a mistake to offer an authentic apology. I have plenty to be sorry for. I'm sorry I didn't visit more elders and other congregants who couldn't get to church as often as they used to. I'm sorry I was so often derelict in preparing performance reviews for staff I supervised, leaving them uncertain about how they were doing or what they might do better. I'm sorry that I could be so focused on what needed to get done before worship on Sunday morning that I often didn't pay enough attention to each person who wanted to be seen and known for who they are. I'm sorry I was such an introvert, so terrible at the small talk that helps build relationship and trust. I'm sorry I didn't work more collaboratively with the Social Justice Council and task forces. 
I'm sorry it took me until last June 13th to realize that I could no longer remain your senior minister and honor my call to interfaith climate organizing. I wish I'd realized this in January or March or even May. Because I gave notice so late, the swiftly constituted interim minister hiring committee, Peggy Kraft, Susie Grossman, Chris McElroy, and Rashid Sheikh, had to scramble over the summer to find an interim minister for the fall. They were very fortunate to find as able and experienced a minister as Clyde Grubbs. But back in June, they had no way of knowing that things would turn out so well. I caused them a lot of stress, for which I apologize, especially to Peggy Kraft, who as standing committee chair shouldered the heaviest burden. I'm sorry that the suddenness of my announcement left some of you doubting my love for this congregation. The truth is my decision to leave was one of the most difficult and painful of my life. I know what I'm giving up. I'm sorry I'm leaving so many things unfinished. Although we've made a lot of progress, we are not yet a truly multiracial and multicultural church. We still have much to learn about structural racism, white privilege, ableism, and transphobia, among other things. We are just beginning our exciting partnerships with Y2Y Harvard Square, which will provide overnight shelter to homeless young adults, and Youth on Fire, offering LGBTQ-friendly drop-in services to homeless and street-involved youth as young as 14. Next month, the congregation will vote whether to become a member of the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization, which will open up tremendous opportunities for community engagement and justice advocacy across boundaries of race, religion, and class. Later this year, you'll begin Beloved Conversations, an experiential curriculum on race and ethnicity. I'm sorry I won't be part of all these exciting initiatives. But all of them, in the end, belong to you, not to me. The minister can invite, the minister can encourage, the minister can exhort, but only the congregation can carry them forward. During this transition, you'll have the opportunity to review, reassess, and reaffirm your commitment to a multiracial, multicultural, justice-making future. Soon you will call a new settled minister. There are many gifted and experienced ministers of color or Latino, Latina, ready to lead this church. I hope you will call one of them to be your next minister. The Queen of Boston, Director of Multicultural Growth and Witness at the Unitarian Universalist Association, puts it bluntly, diversity of membership requires diversity of ministry. If this congregation is committed to diversity, as I believe it is, it's time for the first time in the nearly four centuries of history of First Parish in Cambridge to call a minister of color, not just as an associate, but as senior or sole minister. You have many challenges ahead. You'll need to create volunteer opportunities that appeal to people who love the church but are reluctant to make any long-term commitment to leadership, especially if it involves meetings. 
You will need to nourish financial stewardship among people who love the church but are more inclined to one-off donations of $3 rather than 300 let alone 3000 You'll need to offer an experience of worship and church life so compelling it draws participation and inspires loyalty among people assailed by a multiplicity of competing communities, responsibilities, attractions, and seductions, both real and virtual. These challenges are not unique to this church. Congregations of all faith traditions all over the country are grappling with them. I believe you have strengths of leadership, both professional and volunteer, that can meet and surmount them. In just a few minutes, you and I will formally release one another from the covenant we entered into seven years ago. After this Wednesday, September 30th, I will no longer be your minister. If I see you on the street, in a store, or at a public event, we can greet one another warmly. But I can't be your friend. It's important that Clyde and the minister or ministers who follow him have a clear field to establish their own ministry, their own relationships with you, unencumbered by the relationship you have had with me. I will miss you. I'm sad to leave you. And right now, what I mostly feel is gratitude. Gratitude for the privilege of having been allowed into your lives and into your hearts. Gratitude for the trust you placed in me to comfort, counsel, and guide you for seven years. Grateful for your willingness to change, to explore, to challenge yourselves and others. Grateful for all the support, care, and affection you have bestowed upon me throughout my ministry here and after the announcement of my departure. You gave me a great gift that I can never repay. I will always be in your debt. I love you. All blessings upon you. Amen, Ashe, and blessed be.